from New York City. A podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Prime Havoc Company. Hello, and welcome to our annual holiday episode of the Cry Havoc podcast. On December 12th, Cry Havoc held an open workshop session in our rehearsal and performance studio on 36th Street in Manhattan, where we invited our audience to join us for an evening of holiday goodies and readings from this year's annual collection of very short holiday plays, written for our Gift to Square Foot program, which we will tell you more about later in the podcast. This year... Eighteen of our playwrights wrote new holiday plays for the Together for the Holidays collection. Each of them were given an assignment. Each play was to be no longer than five pages, to take place during the holiday season, to feature at least one character from a play that they, or with their permission, another playwright, developed in the workshop, and to be inspired by a randomly assigned song each this year with the word together in the title. What follows is a live reading of nine of these plays, each followed by a selection from the song that inspired it and a few words from the playwrights about how the play came to be. So sit back and enjoy. Happy holidays from all of us at Cry Havoc, and we will now join the event with the first of our very short holiday plays. Uh, So, uh, first up, we have The Magic of Macy's by Caitlin Wilcox, uh, inspired by the song Together, as performed by the Regent Club Orchestra, and featuring the character Dovey from Jenny Curlin's animated screenplay For Plume. Uh, and we have uh, Melissa Breiner Sanders and Brian Cox. The Magic of Macy's by Caitlin Wilcox. In Blackout, we see a large projection of security camera footage. The timestamp reads, December 24th, 11.50 p.m. A young Macy's clerk stands behind the counter of the men's watches section. Suddenly, an exotic fruit dove, which the untrained eye might mistake for a pigeon, alights on the counter. (laughs) The clerk jumps back startled, but to her surprise, the customers are so absorbed in their frantic last-minute shopping that they do not even notice. She looks on in confusion and wonder as the bird manages to unhook a watch from its display and hop away with it in its beak. She stands for a moment amazed, then sneaks off in the direction of the bird. The footage flickers several times, and we see the bird flying through the store, picking up various items, all with the clerk following. Finally, we see the bird flying... Oh, finally, we see the clerk peeking from behind a Courier and Ives placard, mouth agape, as the bird knocks over a cologne bottle, spilling some into a water bottle cap, and flies off holding the bottle cap in its feet. As we watch the footage, the lights rise on a cramped, cluttered backroom office of the Macy's flagship store in New York City. Mr. Wozniak, mid-fifties, the store manager, stands behind the desk. Susan, early twenties, the clerk from the security footage, sits across from him. Both watch the footage. He clicks a remote and the footage goes to black. A beat. Well? Well? What are we waiting for? Put that thing on YouTube. We'll have a million hits by morning. A magical Macy's pigeon does some last-minute Christmas shopping. I think you should be taking this more seriously, Susan. And why is that, Mr. Wozniak? Because I take this very seriously. You mean, like, media coverage? No. 
Susan, you not only left your station unattended, you allowed a wild animal to run rampant through the store. A wild animal? It was a bird, and it was amazing. What's amazing is that you didn't seem to find it necessary to alert our security personnel to the situation. They probably would have killed it. They would have protected our customers from a disease-carrying rat with wings. You practically tossed it breadcrumbs. Rat with... It was beautiful. It damaged over $300 in merchandise, which will have to come out of your paycheck. Are you kidding? You can't dock me $300, not now. If you want to appeal my decision, you'll have to take it up with Mr. Williamson when I submit my report to him for disciplinary review. A report to Mr. Williamson? You're blowing this way out of proportion. It's protocol. I could get fired. That's up to Mr. Williamson. Jesus Christ, cut me some slack, Dad. <laughs> don't take the Lord's name in vain. And don't call me Dad at work. <laughs> I can't believe this. After the year I've had, you're going to get me fired, too. Susan... You and I made a deal when I hired you. One of the conditions was that I wouldn't show you any preferential treatment. Oh, come on, Dad. You... I almost have enough saved for a deposit on that apartment with Margie. If you dock me $300, we'll miss the deadline to sign for the lease. It's not like you and Mom have exactly enjoyed having me back at home. Your mother and I are glad to have you. But we expect you to follow our rules while you're under our roof. Dad. It was Margie's birthday last night. It was the first time since I've been back home that I wasn't in my bed by 11. You smelled like a liquor cabinet when you came in. Not to mention the strange man who pulled your car into the driveway and slept the rest of the night in the back seat. My God, Dad. You know, I'm actually an adult who up until a month ago was living on her own without a curfew. Well, look how that turned out. Okay. <clears throat> really? You're going to throw that in my face. Way to show the holiday spirit, Dad. Susan, your mother and I love you. But you have to start taking responsibility for your actions. We did not raise you to have a shoddy work ethic. We did not raise you to disrespect your elders. And we certainly did not raise you to move in with some man you barely know, a lump in Las Vegas at some drive through chapel of love, then get divorced two months later. How many times do I have to apologize for making a mistake? You're right. You're right. That's what you want to hear? Your mother hasn't stopped praying the rosary since Labor Day. <laughs> you broke her heart. Well, I walked in on my now ex-husband and his secretary. I know the feeling. Look, Susan, it wasn't just the divorce. It was the wedding. What? You're her only daughter. Four boys, and she finally got a little girl. She's been looking forward to your wedding ever since your fifth grade dance recital when you did that Fred and Ginger routine in a long white dress. That night, she started dreaming of watching you dance at your wedding. Oh, I'm sorry to be a disappointment again. Wow, Mom must be pretty hard up for proud memories if the best one she can come up with involves you and Uncle Maddie's <coughs> 1970s tuxedo stepping on my feet every other eight count because I insisted on a duet instead of a solo like all the other normal girls in class. Stop it. You are not a disappointment. That's what upsets her most about all of this. She's proud of you. You worked hard, put yourself through school and lessons, Dancing's no easy field to make it in, but you were so focused, you kept it. 
There's so much potential. And yes, we hoped someday you'd find someone to share that with. We? What? Father can't look forward to his little girl's big day? I used to practice that stupid song every night after inventory. So maybe I wouldn't step in your feet quite so much next time. Dad. Look, look lately, I, I don't know. You just don't seem like that little girl anymore. Anyone that that little girl would have become. I mean, Las Vegas, a quickie divorce. And after last night, it just feels like you're headed down the same path again. And now this thing with the bird, it's, it's not you. When did you start <laughs> wandering through your life, following around whatever looked interesting at any given moment? Dad. <laughs> Vegas was a mistake. And last night, I had a few drinks. That's exactly why I made Margie's little brother drive me home. I was trying to be responsible and I knew you and mom would freak out if I brought some guy into the house in the middle of the night, so I made him sleep in the car and gave him a ride home this morning on my way to work. I might not be exactly who you'd hoped I'd be right now, Susan, but I'm still your daughter. I used to love Christmas so much, everything seemed so magical. This year it's all I can do not to start crying every time I see mistletoe. I saw that bird and I don't know. It was like a little bit of magic. I didn't want it to end. Marty's little brother is old enough to drive. <laughs> <laughs> when, did, when did you kids get so grown up? Well, don't always act as grown up as we should. It's Christmas. Everyone gets to act a little like a kid at this time of year. It's part of the magic. And maybe a bird going Christmas shopping is kind of amazing. <laughs> Look, I have to let Mr. Williamson know about the incident, but I can get the store's insurance to cover the 300. Does that sound fair? Thanks, Dad. Mr. Williamson will probably be lenient. You're a first-time offender. <laughs> Plus, it's a member of PETA. She smiles. <laughs> you sure you're not just doing this to get me out of the house? Susie, you're my little girl. If I had my way, you'd still be twirling in white dresses at dance recitals. You really used to practice dancing that, to that song? Here? Yeah. Never got much better, though. Maybe Las Vegas was a blessing in disguise. Your feet would have been black and blue. <laughs> well, that's because you can't practice a duet by yourself. Susan goes to the old tape player behind the desk, flips through some tapes, and pops one in. Together, as performed by Regent Club Orchestra, begins playing. She curtsies, a beat. He smiles and bows. They begin to dance, but quickly start bumping into things, the desk, filing cabinet, etc. They laugh. <laughs> or because there's totally no room in this office. She pushes a button on the tape player, and the music starts playing over the store's PA system instead. She takes her father's hand, and as they exit, we see a large projection of the security camera footage, a darkened, empty store. Susan and her father dance on screen and gracefully off. A bird flutters after them. Blackout. <laughs>
So that was uh, written by Caitlin Wilcox, who is, where's Caitlin? Hey, Caitlin. And uh, this is the song that uh, inspired it. together as performed by Monkey Magic and featuring the character Luther from his play Michael Bay's America Part 4 and the character Craig from his play All Over Me, How Does It Feel? And we have uh, Will Harper and Josh Bywell. The Christmas Angel of Marfa, Texas by Jersey Gwizdowski. A barn that has been converted into an art studio full of welding equipment. Luther, 38, hurries in. Craig, 55, in a business suit, follows. Absolutely not. Are you out of your mind? Wait, just hear me out, Luther. Mr. Giannavanoni. Are you out of your mind? No, well, I might be. But listen to me. Although I might be out of my mind, I'm also very rich. Yeah, rich and crazy. Those usually go together. I, I know that you think they do. You don't know Bubkiss. And you might be rich. Congratulations. But I don't work for rich guys anymore, buddy. I definitely don't work for crazy people or perverts. I work for the people of Marfa, Texas, so I think the best, smartest thing for you to do in this scenario would be to turn around and get back on a plane. I'll pay. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Listen, pal, everyone's got their kinks, Lord knows I do, but this here, this is my work now. And I'm under enough pressure without letting you use it for your escapist fantasy role-playing mumbo-jumbo. No, that's not what it's about. Sure, that's what the last guy said. It's not, I just want a chance. A chance for what? A chance to sit on top of your giant metal Christmas tree and get my wife back. <laughs> Listen, man, get Craig. Craig. Listen. Craig. You don't live here. If you want to be the Christmas angel of Marfa, you got to live in Marfa. I'm sorry, but I ain't accepting applications from Missouri. Minnesota. Mozambique, whatever. you got to live here in the community. I'm under fire as it is. It's a community art project. And this, and this part should go without saying, you must be in grades 1 through 5, not 1 <laughs> through MBA. I never went to college. Really? Me too. Me neither. Oh, sure you did. I mean, you didn't graduate, I guess, but you enrolled at RISD. That's why I'm here. You went to school with my wife. Your wife? Yeah, she was Sarah Turbot then. That rings no bells. Well, well she <laughs> remembers your work. She said it was some of the most incredible art she's ever seen. When you started getting some attention the last few years, she was thrilled. We actually bid on a piece of yours last year. Yeah? Yeah. I think it was called 
Carcass of a rejected reality television show host number 14? <laughs> you bid on that? That ended up in the Connecticut governor's mansion. I know. I still haven't heard the end of it. You must be rich. That was the last one to go on the block. I know. And I couldn't convince a soul to let one of your pieces go for under twice what they paid for it. At least I found your nativity ceremony online. Sarah made my whole side of the family watch it last Christmas. So you flew down here to do some shopping? Please, Luther, all I want is to give her a gift that means something. Reality host, that was it. No commissions, no private buyers. I only do work for this community now. I know, I want to be a part of that work. Why? Why come down here? I'm a busy guy. Luther. That's all I got where I am. I'm lucky enough and stubborn enough to do something I love for a living. But recently, I've gotten a little caught up. I, I let the work become more important than anything else. I left her alone, and I didn't even realize it until it was too late. Sarah won't see me. She won't take my calls. She won't respond to my texts. She won't answer the door. Being a part of this ceremony is the only way I know she will see me. I know she's going to be tuned in to celebrate Marfa.org this year, watching the live stream of the nativity ceremony alone. And I want her to see me and know that she isn't. I know that there isn't anything I wouldn't do for her. These are fairly elaborate links. Yeah, I suppose they are. <laughs> but I don't know what else to do. I'm sorry, Craig, but I'm already on thin ice here. They want a traditional tree ceremony, which is difficult to pull off when your tree is made out of salvaged parts from an abandoned amusement park. <laughs> you know how many permits I had to get to stick a kid in aluminum angel wings on top of that thing? We've already picked a sweet little girl who wrote a very nice essay and also happens to be the daughter of the chief of police. I don't think he'd appreciate her being bummed for an insurance bigwig from Minnesota. I'm, I'm, I'm not in insurance. No? What do you do? Bundle mortgages? Hostile takeovers? No, I'm in the cookie sector. <laughs> you know, love you lemons? Brown sugars? That's me. <laughs> you work for Grandma Daisy? I am Grandma Daisy. <laughs> you're, you're pulling my leg. I'm not. Craig Heath, CEO. Luther Hudson. <laughs> Luther kisses Craig on both cheeks. Why did you say so, Grandma Daisy? I didn't know you were such fans. <laughs> you saved my life. When mine left me last year, I ate box after box of those things. Oh, who was the old broad on the outside, your mother? Nobody, just a drawing. I was going to go with a photo of my mother, but she tested unsympathetic with the focus, focus groups. It's cold. It's cold. I mean, no, I mean, they were right, man. I mean, she, she wasn't. And you had to go with an image that was a little more... Traditional? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> What's your suit size, 48 long? 46. You say so. 
<laughs> okay, Crego. I can't make you the angel, but there is one role in the nativity scene I still have to fill. It would at least get you into uh, the ceremony so the missus could see you. How's that sound? What's the role? Official sponsor. Oh. <laughs> Underwrite the insurance, the whole deal. Then you'll really be this town's angel every year. Sure. Send me a few boxes of It's Only Pecan Roll year-round. Can you do that? <laughs> I can. You're not concerned about the influence of corporate money? <laughs> I'm very concerned. But this is the influence of corporate cookies. Mm -hmm. That I can allow. <laughs> do we have a deal? Luther extends his hand. Where does the corporate sponsor fit into the nativity scene? Far right of the Holy Family. When I was growing up, that's where my family always put the ass. Craig Shakespeare. <laughs> Alrighty, follow me. Let's work on your ears. Luther begins to exit. Luther? Luther stops. Thank you. Hey. Thank you, Grandma Daisy. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Luther hops outside full of energy. Craig follows him full of hope. Blackout, end of play. <laughs> All right, that was uh, written by uh, Jersey uh, Gwizdowski, and uh, it was inspired, <laughs> inspired by Together as performed by Monkey Magic. So, uh, I had to translate the lyrics. <laughs> all this imagery about, and it actually was the lyrics were gorgeous. It sounds like it's kind of, you know, Japan pop song, which it is. This band is a sort of hybrid of like Canadian and Japanese members, and they're this huge phenomenon apparently. Um, but the imagery in the song is about if I had wings, if I had wings we could be together. And I just took that and took two guys from a place that I wrote with Cry Havoc and put them together, because they've both been left by their significant other in the place. And, uh, I thought it would be fun to, yeah, to make that actual thing that a guy could get wings and be together with this person again. Um, and I wanted to make Craig, who was inexplicably in a Baker outfit in the last play, for, you know, for, those, for no good reason. Um, the reason that was then in play, you know, sort of uh, apocryphal, um, I wanted that to sort of I wanted to make that stage direction important in this place, so he, he, he went on to become a cookie magnet. <laughs> Alright. Um, next up, uh, we have Occupied by Sharon E. Cooper, inspired by the song again, Together, as performed by Corey Smith, uh, and featuring the character Amber from her play In the Meantime. And we have uh, Caitlin Wilcox and Jersey Gwizdowski. Occupied by Sharon E. Cooper. In blackout, the sound of jingle bells and then the cock of a gun. Lights up to Amber, 39, wearing a blue and black polka dotted dress under a winter coat. 
She waves a gun in the air, which is actually just her hand's thumb and forefinger. Give me the motherfucking money! Blackout. Lights up. Five minutes earlier. Inside a modern bank. BOP bank. Air conditioning and lots of chrome. Amber approaches a bank teller. Hi. Yes, I need to close this savings account and move the money to our checking account. Uh, we didn't realize that you all had been charging $4 a month to keep this account, so... Really, it's become more of a giving account than a savings account. The teller shifts his gaze from the computer to Amber. Okay, no problem. Money transferred from savings to checking. No more savings. Would you like a BOP pen? Dog cookie? Stress apple? <laughs> no, I would not like a Bank of the People stress apple. Well, Merry Christmas, and you are all set, and goodbye. Amber walks away, turns around, and... You know what? I was just wondering, could I speak to someone about getting a refund? I don't know how many months you've been taking off the $4 a month and we were never informed. Of... I'm sorry, that's not my department. You would need to speak to a representative. Oh, well, then can I speak to a representative? Sure, let me walk you over to a representative. We're a little tight with it being Christmas Eve and all. The teller walks Amber over to a table, puts on a jacket, and continues as the representative. <laughs> so how can I be of help to you today? <laughs> yes, uh, well, we were unaware of your $4 fee for our savings account. She hands him her bank card. The representative swipes the card and looks at his computer. When did we open this account? Because we have been paying... Let's see... 2005, and at the time there was no fee as long as you maintain a balance of $100. And in 2009, we changed the policy to 250 and therefore we started withdrawing $4 a month from your account. Over two years. $4 a month for 24 months, that's $96. We've paid you $96 for our savings account. I could have had takeout four times. Or gone to the movies seven times. Oh, well, what's $96 between friends, really? Especially since our refinance will be wrapped up any day now. The representative is reading the computer carefully. Oh, you need to make sure to read that fine print. <laughs> I'm sure that $4 fee was hidden, buried deeply. No, you were sent a letter about the refinance. How is a letter fine print? <laughs> oh, I just meant that you seem to be lacking in some information. So inform me, so I'll stop lacking. <laughs> According to our records, you were denied a refinance. We were denied? What? Because, see, uh, your income to debt ratio demonstrates you can't afford the mortgage. And two, your building has 55% owner occupancy versus the required 80% for co-ops. Would you like a special Santa BOP bop lollipop on your way out? No, no, unless I can BOP you on the head with it. Let's review. One, how can we not afford the lower rate when we've been paying the higher rate on time? And two, is this 80% thing a new rule? If so, you didn't tell us that before we did the appraisal, got the lawyer, paid your fees. Are you seriously saying that we won't get this refinance? The representative starts reading from a document. Customers have shared with us what matters most to them when choosing a bank and given their feedback in the current environment, we took careful consideration when deciding to change certain fees, rules, and regulations. With that, we modified peripheral fees that small groups pay and we are educating the consumer on how to avoid the issues subsequent educating. to... Educating? Is that what you call all of this? We are not satisfied and we will take will not take this without a... Huh. 
You keep saying we, but it looks like you are the only one on this mortgage and on your checking We account. is none of your business, Brother Bill. My name is not. But Raymond and I do. You want to add your husband or boyfriend to... Fine, the... add him. Okay, what's his last name and social security number? Um, Raymond Feline, and he doesn't have a social security number. <laughs> what? He's a cat, okay? And everybody loves him. People like you, you don't know or care about anyone. There's this man in North Dakota in a blizzard hunting for jobs with thousands of other people. He's 61 and still going strong. He's been overseas for the last four years working for the military. He just got back from Afghanistan. He spent a few months at home in Florida and he knew that jobs, good paying jobs, were available in North Dakota in the oil fields. So he kissed his wife goodbye and said, honey, I gotta go find a good paying job. And he's living in his car in Megamart. He says that one nice thing about living in a parking lot is that you can change the neighbors whenever you want. And I don't want to go home and change my neighbors. We read about hardships every day. Oh. It's a sad fact of our hardships. It's not just any hardship. He's my father. Do you believe in the American dream? I'm sorry, I can't help you. I actually had nothing to do with your refinance. Would you like to take a bank of the people pen with you? Here. And what about the $4 times 24 months? If your account were open, I might be able to do something, but you don't have a savings account. <laughs> but I just closed the account with the teller. You were the teller right over there, like five minutes ago. According to our records, you don't have a savings account. There is no we in your crediting my account, you motherfucking a-hole turned B.O.P. teller turned B.O.P. representative. She raises her hand a la gun mode and we're at the beginning of the play. Give me the motherfucking money. You realize that's just your hand, right? Give me my freaking four dollars. If you don't calm down, I'll have to get security over here and have to talk to ask you to leave. Money starts to rain over them like snow. It stops both of them in their tracks. It's all falling apart, you know? The American dream, Christmas, bank accounts, relationships. I lived with a man once. It was a three-month, in-the-meantime relationship. We almost broke up over a seven-minute conversation that he timed because it was a frickin' accountant. We were arguing about how I wanted to have kids and he wasn't sure. We stayed together for a few more weeks and then he just changed the rules and disappeared. Like my four dollars. We never even broke up. And you know who you would blame for all of it? Who? The Jews. What? <laughs> Why? Why not? I wish I were Jewish. Or Buddhist or Zoroastrian. Why? Raymond is a Zoroastrian. <laughs> and then I wouldn't be celebrating Christmas Eve with you. I'm sorry. She looks at his hands. He's wearing a wedding band. Married people like you say, I'm sorry, and we, like it makes you deserve a refinance, or a car, or a big decorated Christmas tree, or four dollars, or a nice vacation to Isla Mujeres. Is that where you went on your honeymoon? <laughs> we couldn't afford a honeymoon. Oh. Do you have children? Four. Wow, that's like a whole litter. <laughs> I have Raymond. Me occupied, so I hate to tell you this on Christmas Eve, but it's just not working out. I thought it'd be different with you, being the bank of the people and all, but it's not. I am breaking up with you. 
Okay. <laughs> I understand, and uh, I'm sorry about your father in North Dakota. And the refinance. And the four dollars. And the American dream. I'm really sorry about that. They look up at the money falling all around them. She lies down and makes snow angels out of money. The representative sits next to her on the ground for a few moments, throwing the money back up into the air as it falls down all around them. Suddenly, he stands up, brushes himself off. Security! A security baton is thrown to him from the wings. <laughs> he catches it and turns to her. He is security. Blackout. End of play. Sharon Cooper, and it was inspired by Together, as performed by Corey Smith, which sounds something like this. Lord, I wish that you could take me back to 1983. <laughs> Before my folks untied the knot that bound our home. Busted up the family tree. We get dirty every Sunday. Great. So, um, the general feeling of the song definitely inspired the play, um, especially the part about Mega, um, Mega Mart, that part in there. Um, and it was really fun to revisit the character Amber, which was in a, a play that um, that I worked on um, before. And, and workshop, but now she's several years older. Um, another inspiration for the play was that there was like a series of events that um, happened for me and my roommate, <laughs> having to do with the bang. Um, and so um, that was part of the inspiration for the play. It was just sort of like a fantasy of getting back. And of course, I'm also inspired by all the Occupy movements across the country and across the world, and just sort of our general feeling um, towards banks and towards like the man and that kind of thing. So <laughs> uh, that's what I'm excited to write about. Okay. Uh, next up, we have uh, Sanctuary by uh, Julia Bilbao, uh, who uh, is uh, here, just got off a plane from London, um, where she has been spending this last semester after spending the summer with us. And uh, this uh, is inspired by the song Together, um, <laughs> performed by Driving and Crying, uh, featuring the character Sydney from the play 34 Weeks and Four Days by Kit Lavoie. And we have uh, Jenny Curlin and Kevin Hallman, and Jen Reichert is going to uh, jump on the stage track. Sanctuary by Julia Bilbao. Sydney, a troubled, angsty 17-year-old, enters a dimly lit church basement. It has been transformed into a Sunday school classroom with cubbies along the wall and a rectangular table outlined with 12 chairs. The room is dark except for light given off by the illuminated exit sign above the door and by the cell phone in Sydney's hand, which she uses as a flashlight to inspect her surroundings for any other life forms. She cautiously makes her way towards the table. Pleased with the room's emptiness, she drops her backpack on the floor and sits down on the table. Sydney springs back up, instantly shocked by a sharp prick to her backside. Ow! Sydney shines her flashlight at the culprit and discovers a plastic nativity set in disarray on the table and floor. Damn it! Sydney begins to stand. <laughs> Sydney begins to stand the figurines right side up and gather those that had gone flying. 
Sydney examines two of the wise men. After a moment of contemplation, she places them next to the baby Jesus. Furrowing her brow with dissatisfaction, she picks up the third wise man off the floor. How am I supposed to know what to do with this? Where this goes? She puts the figurine next to a cow, only to knock them all over again with a groan of frustration. Ah, screw this! The fluorescent lights go on abruptly. Sydney jumps, arming herself with one of the goat figurines. Horns pointed out in front of her. Hello? Who's there? I am totally allowed to be in here. Hello? Show yourself, you creeper! <laughs> Charles, a bright, soft-spoken 18-year-old, comes into view with car keys in hand. His shaggy brown hair is sprinkled with snowflakes, and his cheeks are rosy from the cold. Chuck, you scared the crap out of me. Sid, what are you doing I'm here? I'm getting something for church. Stuff. Aren't you Jewish? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Jews <laughs> can celebrate Christmas, too, you know? I know that. I just thought you got Chinese food and went to the movies. Well, that's stereotypical of you, Chuck. Sydney's friends are playing it on the floor and sits down. She takes an iPod and a magazine out of her bag and pulls the hood of her sweatshirt over her head. Are you sleeping here? It's none of your business. Huh. How did you find me anyway? Your present parents called mine wondering if you'd contacted me. Are you serious? I, did you? I didn't tell them. Wait, so how did you know where I was? Remember Andrew's after-prom party? Yeah, well, no. Too much tequila. Right, okay. <coughs> you remember how you got home? Yeah, the cops came to break it up and we all walked home. I walked home. You were too drunk to put one foot in front of the other, so I carried you anyway. You told me all about this church. How you come here when your parents are being pricks? I did. That's weird. I, like, I like barely ever come here. That's not what you told me. Geez, all right, Chuck, what do, you, what do you want from me? It's Christmas Eve. Go be with your family. It's really cold down here, Sid, and the blizzard started. Snow's really piling up out there. So leave. I'm not leaving you here. Why not? I can take care of myself. <laughs> no, you really can't. Excuse me? You're a mess, Sid. And you're a cocky... I heard you and your family fight, and I don't... <laughs> blame you for When what... have you heard us? Remember that night I called you to ask you to prom? I had stopped by that afternoon to do it in person. When I heard you all fighting, I left. I never understood why you do the things you do with guys. I mean, why that is at all enjoyable for you. But when I heard you guys yelling... I see how it is. You asked me to prom so I would do those things with you. God, no. I've known you forever, Sid. I mean, when we were neighbors, you were so sweet. You ran and got help when I fell from the Williams tree and broke my arm. Yeah, well, people change. Right. Anyway, when you started to change, and when prom was creeping around the corner... I heard some guys in the locker room fighting over who was going to take you, making bets about how far you'd go with each of them. I didn't want you to end up with some guy who was going to see you, use you like that, Sydney. I mean, you deserve to be treated so much better. No, I don't. I turned you down, didn't I? Yeah. How did that turn out? Screw you! But you're such a great guy. You've known about this place for months and haven't bothered to do anything about it until tonight. I was hoping everything would get better. 
Once the temperature started dropping and when your parents called tonight and the blizzard started, I couldn't ignore it any longer. You could freeze down here, Sid. It's not that bad. Your lips are blue. Come home with me. What? It's not what it sounds like. You could sleep in the guest room and borrow my sister's clothes and... It's Christmas. I can't impose myself on your family like they that. I would be happy to have you, and I would too. Why are you doing this? Because you helped me when I fell down. I mean, now it's my turn, and you're, you're right. It, it's Christmas. Sydney's eyes begin to fill with tears, and she rubs her hands together. Could I have a second to collect my things? I'll meet you outside in the car. Of course. Uh, probably have to dig the car out anyway. Charles turns to leave. Chuck? Charles turns back around. Thanks. Charles exits. Sydney shuffles over to the table. Still unsure of the original positioning, she stands the nativity figurines back on their feet. Sydney surveys the finished product and then leaves the room, turning the lights off on her way out. End of play. And that was inspired by uh, Together, uh, by Driving and Crying, which sounds like this. inspired by that. Um, it's, it's a guy singing about this girl and all her evil ways. <laughs> and, um, and so I kind of use the basis of this song, the theme of it, and as a foundation of my play and the relationship in it. And the girl very much reminded me of Sydney from Kit's play, 34, 34 weeks and four days. Yes. And, um, and, yeah, so, um, there was a line at the very end that was, um, I've got a story to tell to get her home, which was kind of, I made that Charles' object, Charles's objective in the play. Inspired by Let's Get Together is performed by Phil Vassar and featuring the character Nadine from her play Just Julian. And uh, we have Jenny Curl again and Becky Stirl. The Most Wonderful Time by Jennifer Riker. Lights rise on a college dorm common room. Late night, lamplight, study tables strewn with papers and personal electronics. Nadine, Punky, 21, and Joy, Sunny, 21, sit together on a couch, punchy and lit by the glow of Joy's laptop. Joy types and shivers. I'm so cold! You're always cold. Your thermostat's broken. 
Nadine throws her arms around Joy and squeezes her. You're squishing me! I squish you! (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited! Christmas together is the best idea ever. People should spend all of their holidays with their friends. I love this! I love Christmas! Oh my god, it'll be the best time. You are my entire favorite person. Well, yeah. Also, you are mine entirely, and you should be with your favorite people for Christmas. That's the whole point. Totally. My mom will be so stoked you're actually coming. I love your mom. Joy tips, the <laughs> Joy tips the monitor so they can both see and begins entering information. How about flights leaving the 22nd in the morning? No, later. My last final is that afternoon. Do the 23rd. Ooh, ouch. Maybe try late night on the 22nd? I'll email my mom as soon as we're booked so she can get you an extra ticket for Christmas Eve. Ticket for what? Oh, the Christmas Eve service at my church. Your church has tickets? (laughs) Well, just for Christmas Eve. It's really popular. It's so beautiful with candlelight and singing. Who will die? And our church band is so cool. The bassist is totally hot. Godly and hot. (laughs) Okay. It's just my, my family doesn't usually do the church thing. You're never gone to church here. Seems weird to think of you in church. It's Christmas. It's Jesus' birthday. You don't go to church on Christmas Eve? No, we watch a Christmas story. <laughs> oh, I have a copy here I'll bring. And after the kids get to bed, we can, we can do like last minute rapping and then play board games. What games do you have? Board games? That's not very Christmas. No, sure it is. We have Coco and Christmas fudge and ginger men and watch the snow fall. And try to defeat our siblings without mercy. Your sister will love a choir. It's the perfect game for her. She's so competitive. I can't wait to teach you guys how to play. Hmm. Maybe if we didn't do non-stop. Yeah, try that. Yeah, Christmas is not about defeating your siblings. It's for peace and getting along. Didn't you hear me? Defeating them with ginger men in snow. That's Christmas. <laughs> you Midwesterners think you have a lock on Christmas. Christmas with your Norman Rockwell and Ives. It barely ever snows where I live. We stay up late and sit in a hot tub and look at the stars. And this year, you'll be there too. You'll love it. Mm, how's that? Mm, that one has a layover in Chicago. Maybe it would just be cheaper to stop there and go to my place instead. Oh, but look, this one through Dallas only has an hour layover. Let's see. Um, Oh, God, I can't actually, I can't wait to actually be warm again. You can wear that cute sundress you got. I can't wear a sundress for Christmas. I should be all bundled up. At Christmas, there, like, should be snow. And, like, for snowmen and sledding. And then you can have a fire because it's cold outside. We don't have a fireplace. What? Send me mine to have at your place. We don't do stockings. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do in the morning before you can open your gifts? We eat brunch. French toast and orange buns. (laughs) Brunch is for after presents. (laughs) I can't wait that long to eat. I'm too hungry when I wake up. Wait. You really open your gifts after you eat and when you get up. Eleven? What? (laughs) (laughs) You sleep through Christmas morning? (laughs) No, we just have Christmas morning.
afternoon. Oh, I've never slept past eight. The kids jump all over me. <laughs> well, there are no kids to jump on your bed at my place. You can sleep till you wake up. Then Christmas lasts longer. Last year, we finished opening gifts at three o'clock. Well, I will totally jump on your bed. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas morning is for like sneaking out of bed and your final PJs to scope all the presents under the tree and then waking everyone up to open them. And it's too warm for flannel. <laughs> yeah, I think this one's good. It's, it's one of the cheaper ones, plus it gets us there and plenty of time to see the lights before church. Oh well, yeah, I guess the timing on that one works out the best. Yep. <laughs> Joy Here. hands Nadine the computer. Here, hurry. It's going to log us out. Nadine pulls her credit card out of her wallet, hesitating. She holds the card, looking at the flight details. Wow. No stockings. <laughs> <laughs> Sleeping in. No snow. Aww. <laughs> but starry hot tubs, candlelight carols, orange buns. Nadine's fingers hover over the keys. Let's just see that Chicago flight again. <sighs> then you can have snow for Christmas. I don't need snow. Come on, my house is closer. This is a lot. Nadine's fingers retreat from the keyboard. You know, maybe if we had this idea a few weeks ago, the prices would have been really, they would have been better. Possibly, but it'll be worth it. It'll be awesome town. Ah, it's a little much for me to spend. I have a lot of presents to get, and I want to watch my family open them in the morning. Maybe next year. Okay. Nadine closes the browser window and hands the computer back to Joy. Well, I have to study for my calculus final. Oh, I need to finish reading that doorstop for my paper. Joy and Nadine settle back into studying. After a moment. Am I still your entire favorite person? Yeah. Me too. Entirely. <laughs> but your Christmas is whack. So is yours. <laughs> They settle in, lights down, end of play. And that was inspired by uh, Let's Get Together, as performed by Phil Vassar. <coughs> I took a character, Nadine, from uh, Just Julian as someone who I thought would be really 
invested in a more traditional Christmas, and, and that's where it came from. All right, excellent. Uh, let's actually take about five minutes and uh, get some beverages and treats. And, uh... Hello, this is Jennifer Reichert, a resident playwright with the Cry Havoc Company. You just heard my play, Most Wonderful Time. While our live audience takes a break for holiday cookies and libations, I wanted to let you know that all of these very short holiday plays, plus nine others by Cry Havoc playwrights, are included when you gift a square foot of Cry Havoc's rehearsal and performance studio to yourself or a theater lover in your life. Go to www.cryhavoccompany.org gift to gift a square foot of Cry Havoc's home. Copies of the holiday plays will continue to be available at this address even after the holiday season has ended. So now we will rejoin the live event, starting with Snowfall by Josh Bywater. Uh, next up, we're going to have, I'll speak very slowly while people are finding their way back to their seats. Um, next up, uh, we have Snowfall uh, by Josh Bywater, uh, inspired by the song Let's Spend the Night Together, as performed by the Rolling Stones, and featuring the characters Grace and Davy from the play Sunshine by Kit Lavoie. Uh, and we have Jersey Gwizdowski and Kerry Flanagan. Snowfall by Josh Bywater. Lights rise on the lakefront in Chicago, a field terraced by a rock retaining wall jutting up from crashing waves. Late morning. It is overcast with a light snowfall. Davy, 34, sits on a bench. After a very long moment, Grace, 32, walks down the path behind him. He doesn't hear her. She stops behind him off to the side. A moment passes. Then... Interesting choice. Jesus. This spot. She smiles. He smiles back. Hi. 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 You scared the crap out of me. I'm sorry to have done that. It's okay. Where's Lizzie? She's at my mom's. She can't stay there all day, and I still have quite a bit of shopping to do this afternoon, so... Okay. Sure. Sure. Uh, do you want to sit, or...? No, I'm fine. Thanks. Okay. You look great. Thank you. You look... different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just making better choices, you know? Sure, it's, it's good. You look good. <laughs> Thanks. Remember this place? Remember when I said interesting choice? <laughs> right. <coughs> that was a fun day. A disaster, but... <laughs> that was a good day. Davy. Yeah. Um, I want you to know that I'm sorry. Not just for us, but for last year. Everything that I... Davy, <coughs> I know you know, but I, I need to say it, and I do miss you a lot, but the reason... Look, you said you wanted to discuss Lizzie. I agreed, so... Right. Um, here. He takes a small wrapped package from his coat, gives it to her. She takes it. Sorry, ladies, he's off the market. <laughs> uh, thank you. It's for Lizzie. I'm sorry. Uh, 
the wrapping paper was left over from a friend's bachelor party, and I was in a rush. And <laughs> I know, I know it's, it's not appropriate, but it's not like there's a bunch of naked chicks on it, and there's a bow. The snowfall has increased. She gives the package back to him. She can't accept this, I'm sorry. What do you mean, she can't... I can't give her a present? Who do I say it's from? Her father. Okay, and then what? Well, I thought, if it's okay with you, I could come over Christmas morning and see Lizzie, you know, watch her open presents with all of you. I could make some apple pancakes or chocolate chip or whatever. I thought that might be nice. Okay, and then what? You sticking around for a while? I don't know. I mean, not right now. Um, I'm, I'm going on a cruise with Jeff and his family the day after tomorrow. A Caribbean tour of sorts. Uh, <laughs> I bought the ticket with what little money I had a while back. Kind of a thing to look forward to, you know? I'm meeting them in Miami, but I thought I could stop here first. I thought I could just see her. We could, we could go from there. So you want to come over for Christmas, go on a cruise with your brother and his kids, and then you don't know. You don't have a plan. I was really hoping you would. What happens after you leave? Will you be coming back? I guess at some point. I, I guess I hadn't thought about that really. I guess it's not good enough anymore, Davy. She has a family now. She has a father now. One who's present, one who has time for her. Grace. One that is responsible. Right. And one that really loves her. Don't say that. I'm here for her. Look. Things got bad. You were there for some of it, albeit over the phone. Then you stopped answering, as you should have. I put you through so much, I'm sorry. So I called Jeff instead. I asked for help. Four months later, here I am, sober, asking to see my daughter on Christmas. Please, Grace, let me spend the day with her, with all of you. Or let's talk about it. We can do that, right? We used to be able to just talk. You can't fly in, call me, see Lizzie for one day, and then just disappear again. I have to get back. They expect me to meet them. The ticket's been paid for. She's my daughter, too, Grace. You can't just ban me from seeing And you her. can't just pop in and then take off. I'm so glad that you decided to get help to take care of yourself. And the thought of you being in Lizzie's life, God, Davy, I would, I would love nothing more. But do you even know if you are ready to do this? The snowfall has increased. You cannot hurt. You cannot abandon that little girl. You have to be a different person with her than you were with me. And I, I plan to be. You just start with tomorrow? We can't start with tomorrow if I can't trust you'll be back, Davy. I'm sorry, you have a lot to think about. Grace. And I have a lot to think about. Gracie, 
please, can't we just talk a little more? I have to meet Dave. them. I can ride with you to pick her up. I don't think that's a good idea. And maybe see her just for like a second. We need to think about Lizzie and all of this. I am. Don't you think I want the best? God damn it. You have not made any of this easy. Leaving me the lies, the drunken phone calls that I asked you not to make, that you, you woke up and realized what you had lost, sobbing, begging us to come back when you were the one that threw this family away. And now you want to come back in. It's not what you want or what I want. It's about Elizabeth. Do you understand that? I just want to talk. No, Davey. Do you understand that? Yes, okay. Silence. A thick, steady snowfall now. Look, I need to go with the weather. And I'm not... I'm not saying no here to never seeing her again, but I... No. I get it. I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. So that's your decision? A Caribbean tour? No. That's Jeff, his family. I don't want to cancel on them. You know? Okay, I, I, I don't understand what this was to you then, you coming here. They look at each other for a moment. She turns to leave. Grace. Dave, I have to go. With the snow and the traffic on the Edens on Christmas Eve? Thank you, Grace, for seeing me. Could you, could you please at least just give this to her? It doesn't even have to be from me. He gives her the gift. She takes it hesitantly. Okay. Merry Christmas, Davy. You do look good. You look healthy. You look like you. Yeah, uh, thanks. Merry Christmas, Grace. They share one last moment. She turns and walks back up the path. Davy remains in place for a moment, somber. He turns to the lake. A long moment passes. He takes out his cell phone, dials, waits. Hey, Jeff. I'm in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm good. Well, it looks like there's a huge storm coming through, and I don't think I'm going to be able to get a flight out. Yeah. You guys should go without me. I think Cousin Jenny really wanted to go, but... Between you and me, she couldn't afford a ticket, so give her mine. Yeah, positive. <laughs> you guys go. Have fun. Thanks, Jeff. I will. Merry Christmas to you. He hangs up, looks out, breathes deep. Snow fills the stage as lights fade to black. End of play.
Josh? Um, the lyrics of the song really have nothing to do with play. <laughs> um, and when I drew the song, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Because um, it, it's a very personal, uh, it's just, it person, it's, I have a personal history with the song. And I thought about trying to take the song and writing about what was in the song or something like that, but I, I couldn't ignore what the song means to me. And um, so I revisited Sunshine that Kip wrote, and, um, which I actually wrote once with Carrie. And it, it spoke to me in a different way this time around, so I wanted to revisit their relationship. Some, uh, I think I had like a year, year and a half later. And in the original, in, in Kids Play, there is, it's Davey and Grace, and then there's a, their daughter, which was unnamed, um, but she wasn't in the play either. And um, I just wanted to revisit these two characters, and knowing that there was nothing that was going to happen between them, but for Davey to be able to find some way to salvage something from their past, something from their, their, their history that they shared. Um, even if it couldn't be them again. And um, that's kind of it. And then Snowfall just kind of, it just morphed into that, put snow in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like having snow in it, and it just kind of turned into to a thing. So that's kind of it. All right. Uh, next up, we have Counting the Days by Kevin Hallman, inspired by the song All Together Now, as performed by Andre 3000. Oh. <laughs> uh, featuring the character Jan from his play Hope, uh, with uh, Will Clark and Will Harper. Counting the Days by Kevin Hallman. Darkness. We hear two deep raps against a steel door. We hear the door creak open, then slam shut. Lights rise and we see a small prison cell. Jerry, 50s, stands just inside the cell door. He wears glasses, a short sleeve button-up, and slacks like a friendly mission controller at NASA. <laughs> he holds a can of Coca-Cola in one hand and a brown paper bag in the other. Jan, late 20s, a very thin man in a prisoner's uniform, is on his knees facing the wall, hands on head. He speaks English with a foreign accent. You can stand. How you doing today? Fine, thank you. That's all? Yes, fine is actually quite good. Sure. Mm. This is for you. He hands Jan the Coke. Jan opens it and guzzles. He takes a break, looks at Jerry, slightly puzzled. His eyes keep being drawn to the bag. Jan sucks down some soda. He looks at the bag again. Drawn to it, Jan takes a self-censor to step forward. That was a buck, buddy. Yeah, enough baseball. I think you made it all up. It's a real thing. A beautiful thing, that game. Jan's attention keeps shifting between Jerry and his bag. The rules are like how a crazy person thinks. <laughs> if it's real. Yes, if you told me the truth. You want to know what's in the bag? You keep looking at it. No, I don't. You do. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're curious. It's all right to be curious. No, it's not. I'm, I'm sorry. I won't look. Hey, don't. I've been good to you, right? Jan nods affirmative. 
then you leave. And it doesn't ever stay good for too long. Well, I'm sorry about that. I'd stay if I could. I really would, little buddy. I believe you. Jan finishes the Coca-Cola in one final giant gulp. Guard! A window slides open at the top of the cell door. A new can of Coke appears. Jerry takes it. The window closes. Uh, I'll trade you. The window opens. The empty can is removed and the window closes again. Go ahead. It's all yours. Jerry hands the can to Jan, who opens it and begins drinking immediately. <coughs> Another pause. Jan drinks again. You don't want one? I'm up to my ears in that crap. Gotta leave room for some ham later. It's commissary ham, but it's ham. I think they got those pineapple rings with the maraschino cherries. I don't know it. Well, they're real good. I want you to want to see what's in the bag. I want you to be curious. I want you to know things. To be a person. Jerry takes a gift-wrapped package out of the bag. Merry Christmas, Jan. It's Christmas Day. I thought I'd bring you something. That is your holiday, Jerry, not mine. <laughs> holiday? I wish it was. I wish I was back home. What month is this? December. Christmas is always in December? Yeah. Then this is still 2005. You got it. That's good. I've been counting right. Gotta wake up pretty early to get something past you, huh, little buddy? Aren't you gonna open the present? I wrapped it myself. It's not my religion. It ain't a religious thing. Everybody in America celebrates Christmas. And growing up, a Jewish kid had the biggest tree on my block. Every year, a Jew. Okay, not the best example. Your people and their people have their differences. Whatever. Christmas is for everyone. It's a gift. Open it. They both stare at the package as Jan fails to open it. What's wrong? Am I in America? No, but you're with us. I mean, that's the important part. You're helping us out, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. You have more questions? I do, but not today. Today I'm here as a friend. It's Christmas. I want to show this to you. Open it. For me, as a friend. Now, if I went to visit you at your house and you told me to take off my shoes before dinner, I would do it and not even ask a second question about it. I'd be polite. Do you know how much I hate for people to see my feet? <laughs> I hate it a lot, but I do it. I just do it for you out of respect and friendship. Jan opens the wrapping reluctantly. It's a baseball almanac. Now you know I'm not making it up. There's no way I could just whip up something like this. The Yankees are a real thing. Baseball, all of it. Take a look. Jan flips through the pages, book in lap, sipping his Coca-Cola. You could, you could make something like this. But I'm not that bored. <laughs> look, look up anything you want. Now, I used to get one of these for my boy every year. Good kid, but every kid's got to rebel. Sometimes, somehow, so 
I get him this book, and not a day later, he can't stop talking about the Cincinnati Reds. (laughs) Can't be bothered with the Yankees. No, takes down every poster I put up. Won't stop talking about Frank Robinson and his slugging percentage and Johnny Bench and Joe Morgan. You ever hear Joe Morgan call a game? He's an idiot. (laughs) Cincinnati Reds. They won a series with Barry Larkin and Ron Dibble. Nobody's. It's disgusting. Who remembers Jose Rio? No one. And Donnie Baseball got bupkis. But at least my boy wasn't a Sox fan. (laughs) At least the Reds are NLers. And they ain't the Mets, am I right? Jerry, something is strange here. It says the babe played for the Red Sox. Is that true? It is. And he was a pitcher? Yeah, that too. A very good pitcher. It's all true. He was Hall of Fame quality, then those bean face sold him for pennies on the dollar. Cheap. They didn't win another series for about a million years. You said they won last year. They did. Good for them. Real good for them. It's cute that they finally got one. (laughs) And this is for me, really? Yeah. Kind of. I can't leave it with you, of course. Right. Of course. But you can look at it for as long as I'm here. Okay. Jan turns through several more pages of the baseball almanac. He finishes his second can of Coke. Will you be staying long? Guard! Two! The little window opens and Jerry receives two more cans of soda. He gives one to Jan. We could talk. Go ahead and check out the book, little bunny. I got nowhere special to be, except for that ham and pineapple. Jan quietly scans a couple pages. Jerry watches, satisfied. I think I can tell what the abbreviations mean. Well, let me know if you have any questions. You taught me the game very well. Jan becomes emotional, suddenly overwhelmed. I understand it all. Thank you. You're welcome. Christmas, Jerry. Merry to Christmas. Jerry cracks open his Coke and watches as Jan continues to absorb the statistics. The lights fade to black. End of play. several times, and it's uh, about um, a satire of the first enemy combatant hearings at Guantanamo Bay. And uh, the character of Jan uh, counts a lot of things. He counts how long he's been in jail, and he counts how many times that Jerry, who we never see in that play, has come to visit him. And they bond kind of over the statistics of baseball, and, um, and he always gets all the Coca-Cola he can drink. 
And so, um, and I was kind of inspired with the counting by the number motif of the song. I, I heard all the, the numbers, and so I, I kind of decided to go in that direction. All right. Excellent. Uh, next up, we have um, Only Santa Flies on Christmas Eve uh, by Tim Davis. Uh, Tim Davis is not with us here tonight because he... Um, is in Los Angeles and uh, also wrote this from a distance in Los Angeles um, and it is inspired by Let's Stay Together as performed by Al Green and featuring the character Jeff from his play Freak Flag and we have Jen Kerfman and Chris Humphrey. Only Santa Flies on Christmas Eve by Timothy Davis Jeff Swick stands outside a snow-covered house into which we can see Anita, 30s, on her cell phone. Next to Jeff is a deformed heap that was almost a snowman. Jeff knocks on the side of the house. Anita pretends not to hear. Jeff knocks again. Anita stays on the phone. Don't be such a goof. Well, I miss you too. Jeff enters. Anita barely acknowledges him. Of course I do. That sounds amazing. Hey. No, it'll be so nice to spend New Year's somewhere warm for a change. <clears throat> we can get too far in the snowman, huh? She ignores him. I said, kids ready? Okay, good night. Sweet dreams, honey. She hangs up the phone. Hi. <laughs> Kids ready? They're upstairs. Neighborhood looks really good this year. Those new houses over on Pleasant Street really went well. Yeah, changed a lot this year. Yeah. <laughs> no snowman in our yard yet, but uh, a lot of fancy decorations in the hood. Ornaments. What? You decorate a birthday cake. You hang Christmas ornaments. Whatever. <laughs> uh, didn't get a tree this year? Joshua got a tree. A Joshua tree? <laughs> she doesn't laugh. Are the kids ready? I, uh, I left the car running so they wouldn't get cold. Don't you think they're getting a little old to be driving around looking at Christmas lights? They're almost teenagers. It's a family tradition. You want to come? What? We could all go together. It is a family tradition. Well, we're not a family anymore, are we? Sure we are. Just not the same. You made damn sure of that, didn't you? They fall quiet. So, uh, <clears throat> where is warm? What? You said uh, you were going somewhere warm for New Year's? Oh. Joshua's taking us all to Palm Springs. Oh. We leave Christmas Eve. Who flies Christmas Eve? Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. That's tomorrow. How do I get the kids their presents? 
You can mail them to Palm Springs. Well, I don't want to mail my own kids their Christmas presents. Can't afford the shipping, Jeff? No. That's just mean. <laughs> I want to give my kids their presents on Christmas morning, like always. You blew the always. We're spending Christmas Eve at Joshua's. I'm not going to Joshua's on Christmas Eve. Not we, you. <laughs> we, me, and the kids. Betty got a fake tree. He got a beautiful Douglas fir on which we hung ornaments. <laughs> a real Douglas fir? That's fire hazard. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let Joshua worry about that. So, uh, where are you staying in Palm Springs? That's the worst idea in your career of awful ideas. <sighs> well, when are you coming back? We're not. Excuse me? Joshua took a new job in San Diego. So? So... We're spending the week in Palm Springs and then moving down there right after the new year. You can't do that. Yes, we can. Not without talking to me first. I'm talking to you now. Well, you can't just take my kids away from I me. I am taking them to a great school system, a great home. No, this is a great Joshua home. Joshua has a great new job. I already have a job. You mix paint. It's a great community this where is no one knows my husband had sex with a vet school dropout in the back of her Fiat Multipla in the parking lot of Houlihan's. The air is awful with silence. You humiliated me, Jeff. As you did me. At least I did it at home. Jeff pulls something out of his pocket and lays it on the coffee table. Push back the flight. What are these? Four corn cob pipes, four button noses, and uh, some pieces of coal. For two eyes? That's how the song goes. Kids say Joshua can't build a snowman to save his life. Push back the flight. I can't. We have plans. We have plans. We drive all around the neighborhood. We look at the lights and we come and we build snow, a snowman family. And on Christmas Eve, we lay all the presents under the tree. So on Christmas morning, they open the gifts from both of us. But fine. If you don't want to push back the flight one stupid day, go to Palm Do Springs. Do you know how much it would cost to change the ticket? Wait, Joshua can't afford shipping? I'm sorry. Look, if you want to hate me, I, I have to live with that. And if you want me to hate you, well, you're doing a good job. <laughs> You're taking Christmas with my kids away from me. But next year the kids won't even have a snowman in San Diego. So please, this last time, let's go look at some lights.
and build a snow family. Give me that, at least. After I leave, Joshua can pretend the big one is him. Anita stares at him. Finally. Joshua is going to be really annoyed. So... Kids! Your dad's here! It's going to have to be a really huge snowman. <laughs> Thanks. It will be. What are you going to tell him? I'll tell him only Santa flies on Christmas Eve. Blackout. End of play. Inspired by Let's Stay Together by Al Green. <laughs> and Tim Davis is in LA, so what got us from there to that will be forever a mystery. <laughs> that there are nine other plays that were written that were not read tonight. Uh, plays by Christopher Petty, Ali Keller, uh, Will Clark, Catherine Funkhauser, Becky Goldberg, Annalisa Chamberlain, Zoe Anastasio, and Kit Lavoy. Um, all of them are available in our two-volume Together for the Holiday set. Yours when you give to Square Foot to someone, or theirs when you give to Square Foot to someone. If you'd like to do that, you can do that tonight. Um, and, or go to www.cryhavecompany.org backslash gift. Um, and uh, last up uh, tonight is, is something I look forward to every year that's become a bit of a tradition. Um, which is Jenny's pigeon animated pigeon screenplay. Um, and we actually have, uh, for everyone tonight as you're leaving, although we hope you'll stay and drink and, and have merriment and things like that when we're done reading, um, but uh, we have fudge for everyone. Jen Reich, it's world famous fudge in the little cry havoc boxes over there, so be sure to take one. And also collection Pigeons for the Holidays, which is a compilation of Jenny's so the three part, so far three part, uh, pigeon holiday <laughs> festival. <laughs> Whatever it is. So, this year's um, uh, pigeon screenplay uh, is uh, called Tony Bennett and Everything, inspired by the song Rush Together, as performed by Quiet Drive, and featuring the characters Plume, Dubby, Stan, Charlie, Stella, and Bob from her as-yet-untitled animated pigeon screenplay. And uh, we have a bit of a cast of thousands. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Will Clark, Zoe Frazier... Is Zoe Yo, Zoe's yeah. here. Matt yeah. um, <laughs> Howard, Josh Bywater, Carrie Flanagan, Jersey Gwistowski, Kevin Hallman, uh, Caitlin Wilcox, Laura Kaiser, and Allie Keller. Um, so those people should take, a, should take one of these. <laughs> Tony Bennett and Everything, a short screenplay by Jenny Curlin. <coughs> Exterior, Union Square Dog Run, Day. 
Plume, a plump pigeon, sits perched on the back of a beat-up green park bench inside the fence of the dog run at Union Square. His head darts back and forth following a beautiful golden retriever as it fetches a tossed ball. Across the dog run... (laughs) Across the dog run, a young mother hoists her little blonde boy up above the fence to look at the dogs. She laughs and points at a French bulldog sniffing the backside of a Westie. Oh, doggy! Can you say doggy? The little blonde boy struggles against his mother's arm, pointing instead at Plume. Pijo! Pijo! <laughs> oh, yes, pigeon! Oh, can you say doggy? Plume crosses his eyes. Plume crosses his eyes and bobbles his head goofily at the little blonde boy, when suddenly... A beagle puppy jumps up on the bench and lunges at Plume's face, sniffing, teeth bared. Plume narrows his eyes, his beak snarling, flapping his his wings menacingly at the puppy. The puppy, surprised, whines and retreats off the bench and sulks over towards an inflatable pool of water. From behind Plume, a voice calls. Plume, is that you? Plume spins and sees Stella a gaunt pigeon with a long neck and a few more plucked feathers than would be advised, preening in the water fountain just on the other side of the fence. Behind her, a hen-pecked bob waves enthusiastically. Oh, for God's sakes, who else do we know that is that fat? (laughs) Plume instantly sucks in his gut. Bob flies over and lands next to him. Stella reluctantly follows. What are you doing here, buddy? Doesn't Dovey usually like to get to the tree lighting early? Stella forcefully squeezes in between the two. Where is Dovey? I feel like I haven't seen her in days. Plume stiffens up. What? Birds talk, Plume. (laughs) Plume looks out and finds the golden retriever with his eyes. She's... Everything's fine. Thanks. (laughs) We're headed over there ourselves soon if you want us to try to save you birds a branch. Uh, no, I'm... I'm not sure we're going to make it this year, guys. Stella's head perks up and cocks to the side. Oh, okay, all right, what a shame. (laughs) (laughs) I know how much Dovey looks forward to this Tony Bennett and everything this year. Plume shifts back and forth in his legs restlessly. Stella watches him, smelling blood in the water. You know, Plume, if you want to talk, I'm a very good listener. Just ask Bob. I tell him all the time, if something is bothering you, you really should talk to someone. Plume looks like he's about to burst. Have you guys seen Stan? Stella scoffs. Not since he lifted that kid's whipped cream right off his cocoa. Bob lifts his wing. Plume, confused, reluctantly high-fives Bob. Tasteless. (laughs) I told Libby. Suddenly, Plume jets off. Stan? Stan! Plume disappears over the trees, leaving Bob and Stella perched on the back of the park bench, stunned. Stella turns to Bob, beak agape. I am surprised Dovey has put up with him for this long. Cut to exterior, 52nd Street, day. Plume races across 52nd Street, his breath labored, and lands inside a nest tucked in scaffolding. On the outside of the nest is scribbled a sign that warns Stan's nest, keep out. Uh, Plume hops inside and spins around, searching the corners of the scaffolding around him. Stan! Where are you? Plume surveys the nest. At his feet, a pile of pennies, 
a plastic green army figurine, an apple core, an iPad stylus, an Islander's keychain, a bitten off pizza pretzel, and an empty bag of M&Ms that looks like they've been through the wash, but no stand. Plume's eyes land on a small, ripped-out calendar page, stuck to the inside of the nest in the corners with, pe with a piece of gum. Plume scans the dates quickly and lands on November 30th. Scribbled in barely legible blue highlighter is writing that Plume tries to sound out. Night... Tree? Night tree? Night... Night tree! Night tree. <laughs> Plume shifts on his feet and slams his beak right up to the paper, squinting his eyes. He focuses in on something else. Day-gual-fjord. Day-gual-fjord. Fjord. Food. Food. Go-al-food. Go-go-go-food. Come to Exterior Times Square Day. Plume soars high above 7th Avenue towards Times Square, his head darting back and forth, searching. In the distance, a mass of pigeons mobbed in a bike lane. Plume races forward and dives down closer to investigate. Between bobbing heads and wings, he spots a picked-over, discarded box of pizza. Plume lands in the middle of the frenzy. Stan! All around him, hundreds of identical heads bob frantically. Plume strong wings his way through the crowd, searching. He greets passing pigeons with a... Hey, Becky. Lou. Then... Jake, have you seen Stan? Before he zooms off. Exterior, Madison Square Park, day. Plume lands at a small round table at the Shake Shack in Madison Square Park. He scans the line wrapped around the walkway when Charlie, a hunky pigeon in the chair next to him, startles him. Char Charlie has a piece of cheese fry hanging from his beak. But somehow he even makes that look good. Little less bird I thought I'd see here. Aren't you at Rockefeller Center already? Yeah, I don't think I'm going. I need to find Stan, Charlie. Have you seen him? Nope. Plume starts to leave. <laughs> Saw Dubby sitting by herself outside the Met the other day, though. Does that mean she needs someone to sit with her tonight? Plume blanches and charges off. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie looks back down, ripping the cheese fry into small pieces and throwing them back into his beak. Montage. Plume zips through the food kiosks alongside the Flatiron building. Signs reading, Baked and Le Kiosk, whisk past him. Plume peers in the window of Coldstone Creamery, his beak and wings pressed up against the glass. Plume watches a group of pigeons dive and grab food uh, from the snow monkeys in their Rocky Island exhibit in the Central Park Zoo. None of them are Stan. Plume waddles around the perimeter of a bright yellow Waffles and Dinges food truck. He uh, peeks behind a wheel. Quick succession of Plume at a dozen different hot dog carts on different city corners in the city. Exterior, Herald Square, early evening. Plume trudges up Broadway, weaving heavily in and out of the crowd. Under an awning that reads, Mrs. Field's Cookies, a woman with an apron holds a tray of tiny samples of cookies. 
Passers-by grab ruthlessly at the pieces on their way past, jostling the tray, whilst a group of expectant pigeons flank their feet, waiting. <laughs> Plume lands on the window ledge behind the woman and stares down at the group of pigeons. He heaves a big sigh. Next to him, a baby girl, strapped to her father's chest, jabs her finger at the image reflected in the glass and giggles. She sees Plume's reflection next to her, leans down and grabs at his head. Plume skirts out of the baby girl's reach just in time. He looks up and sees her and her father, both decked out in matching blue and silver Winnipeg Jets jerseys. Plume's eyes go wide. Cut to interior Madison Square Garden early evening. Close on, a frenzy of ice skates and the sounds of metal scraping other metal. Pull back as a Winnipeg Jets player bangs into a wall, a puck flying past him and hitting the inside of the net. The announcer's voice echoes through the arena. Goal! The Winnipeg Jets player struggles to his feet. The back of his white hockey jersey reads the number 36 and the name Flood. We are at the New York Rangers Winnipeg Jets hockey game, a brightly lit arena. The Jumbotron spits out a litany of buzzers and flashing lights. The crowd below cheers. At the top of the arena, hidden in the rafters, is a scrawny pigeon squawking what we can only imagine are pigeon for obscenities at the New York Rangers players. <laughs> Plume lands next to him, breathless. Stan! Serves your right for leaving the Islanders, Flood. You deserve Canada. Stan! <laughs> Stan darts his head to Plume, red in the face, and doubled over beside him. Plume, what's wrong? Thank God I found you. Cut to interior Museum of Natural History, early evening. Behind a plaque that reads Birds of North America between a stuffed belted kingfisher and a seaside sparrow, an exotic fruit dove sleeps soundly at a large nest, her body puffing in and out with breathing. A wing lightly jabs the dove on her shoulder. Nothing. The nape of her neck. Still nothing. A wing taps her on the head and the dove wakes with the start, darting her head around the nest frantically and then up to see Stan standing above her. Stan? Hey, Dovey. What are you doing here? What am I doing here? What are you doing here? The tree lighting is in an hour. I'm not going. Dovey. I can't go, Stan. Plume pokes his head around Stan, smiling. <laughs> yes, he can, Dovey. Plume's arch- Plume arches his eyebrows. I told him. Dovey looks at Stan, who nods and smiles. Dovey lets out a little squeak and cocks her head at Plume, then back at Stan. You don't want to be late now. Dovey slowly stands, revealing two beautiful, perfect eggs. Don't worry, I used to sit on my brothers and sisters all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Dovey snorts. Stan moves slowly towards the nest and ever so gently brushes the eggs with his wing before he sits carefully over the brood. Thank you. You guys have a good night. We will. Dovey turns and Plume quickly mouths, thank you. Then the two pigeons fly up towards a loose tile in the ceiling. And stay out as late as you want! (laughs) (laughs) Exterior Rockefeller Center evening. Plume and Dovey stand on a dark branch in the middle of the unlit Rockefeller Christmas tree. Pigeons line the branches above and below. Behind Plume and Dovey... Mom, I can't see. Shh, you'll be able to see. Just wait. Plume and Dovey both turn to see a young squab up on her tiptoes, holding on to her mother pigeon. Plume smiles and motions with his wing for them to move up in front. 
The two bitchins slide in front of Plume and Dovey, <laughs> just as we hear in unison below. Four, three, two, one. Suddenly, the pigeons are blinded by a huge burst of light. Dovey squints her eyes and grabs Plume. Thousands of tiny light bulbs of every color imaginable surround them and shoot up in bright streaks in the tiny branches of the tree they're standing in. The crowd below cheers and applauds. The young squab bursts into giggles and Plume and Dovey look down admiringly at the back of the young squab's head. You know, Stan said we could stay out as late as we want. Dovey looks at Plume, her eyes full. I want to go home. Plume beams at Dovey. Me too. Plume and Dovey dash from the giant pine. Below them, Rockefeller Center is full of lights and life. Crowds surround the base of the tree and stretch for blocks in every direction. Plume and Dovey fly off towards the park just as they are about to disappear in the distance. I can't wait till next year. And they're gone. All around, the stores are lit up and decorated for the holidays. The flags of the world's whip back and forth next to silver and gold-colored Christmas flags. The ice rink glows white and full of tourists. A mix of cab horns and the crooning of Tony Bennett fill the air. Final fade out. <laughs> and that was inspired by... Oh, I don't have my book. What was that inspired by, Jenny? Oh, uh, uh, Rush Together by Quiet Drive. Which sounds like this. They grew up in the same old town. Knowing the from the same temples. All right, Jenny Curlin. <laughs> um, this song actually inspired um, a, a holiday screenplay that I would like to write next year or the year after, um, which is I, I had the idea of Plume and Dubby's squabs, or one of the squabs, um, being best friends with uh, a squab of stands. Um, and growing up together and falling in love. Mm -hmm. um, but before I could do that, I needed to have squabs. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how I wrote this screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right. Um, all right, so uh, thank you everybody for coming. Please stick around. Uh, have delicious food and beverages and a good time. Uh, don't leave without your fudge and without your collection of uh, pigeons for the holidays, where, um, including the backstory of why uh, the uh, Rockefeller Center Christmas tree is so important to Plume and Dovey. Uh, so thank you everybody, and uh, happy holidays. <laughs>
A new season of the Cry Havoc podcast will begin after the new year. If you have not already done so, please subscribe for free on iTunes to join us again for our regular discussions about the craft of acting, writing, and directing, and about the realities of being a working artist in New York City. You can also go to iTunes to check out all of our previous episodes. And to learn more about the Cry Havoc Company and about our upcoming events, visit www.cryhavoccompany.org. So for myself, Jenny Curlin, Jen Reichert, Zoe Anastasio, Julia Bilbao, Melissa Briner-Sanders, Josh Bywater, Annalisa Chamberlain, Will Clark, Chris Comfort, Sharon Cooper, Matt Cowart, Jennifer Kerfman, Tim Davis, Kerry Flanagan, Zoe Frazier, Catherine Funkhauser, Jersey Gwizdowski, Becky Goldberg, Kaven Hallman, William Jackson Harper, Allie Keller, Laura Kaiser, Chris Petty, Becky Sterling-Rigg, Caitlin Wilcox, and everyone at the Cry Havoc Company. Happy holidays, and we'll talk to you soon. You can learn more about the Cry Havoc Company at cryhavoccompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhavoccompany.org. All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe.